Hey everybody, this is Mike. Today is August 27th, 2020, and uh, today, <laughs> it's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's going to be strange. Um, you know, I'm, this one almost feels like it, it, it's, it's the last one, uh, at least of like the... Um, of the pointing out of, you know, the, the behind the scenes, because like once, once you know, it's there, there's really no reason to keep looking. In fact, as I think what we're going to see tonight is like, that's part of it. Part of like the, um, part of the cleverness of what we're finding ourselves in is, um, all that matters is that you're watching it. It doesn't matter if if you know what's going on. In fact, it's almost like you know that's how di how 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 clever it is. Is because it's like now that you know, you can't look away, and you know it. it it's getting to the point where, um, you know, enough's enough. Uh, so let's let <laughs> let's start. You know, you'll see what I'm, I'm saying a little bit later. So today we're going to in Hijack in Reality, Part 5, The Rockefellers, Doctor Who, and the World Health Organization. And, I mean, if you've been watching a lot of my presentations, uh, hopefully you're coming to this realization that we are in this web. We're in this, 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 this highly connected... Um, dream state where uh, what we perceive as reality, what we take as reality is being manipulated and it's being flipped back on us. And, you know, it's uh, the last video I made, I think, um, sums it up the best. And I've talked about this many times. Uh, you know, it's this is Sun Tzu art of war. Like there is there is a full spectrum attack on the human family and no one knows you know the majority of us human family the members of it don't realize that there's a war being waged upon you and um or upon us and um it's unclear as to who is the um who is the the person behind it? The person's behind it. We keep on coming back to the name, the Rockefellers, and like, yeah, what are the Rockefellers? Are they are they a front for the Rothschilds? And who are the Rothschilds a front for? Are they front for the nine, you know, interdimensional? I don't know. All I know is that they've created this thing which is in us, which is very anti-human and anti-life, and um, you know, now's the time to start moving off. So. If there's ever been any doubt um, of what we're working with, you're going to see it now. So let's just jump right in. Um, we're going to start with the World Health Organization. Usually when people think about the World Health Organization, you know, it's a real big thing right now. You know, we know it's all corrupt. Like, uh, probably your typical person on the street's going to know they're corrupt. You know, the person who doesn't, who knows who they are, but doesn't know they're corrupt, you know, they're like seven, eight levels behind. But the World Health Organization, it's a specialized agency of the United Nations, you know, ding, 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 ding. Um, you know, 1948. But uh, 
as we see with all things, um, the Rockefellers behind it. And so even right here, like, you know, if you, the, the United Nations, they're headquartered in New York City. Uh, the land which they're on was given to them by the Rockefellers. Uh, previously, uh, that land was used as a slaughterhouse. Um, <laughs> take that into consideration, but it goes deeper than that. We're going to go into some really, really weird stuff. I'm telling you right now, we're going to get into the weird stuff and it's going to be kind of funny. Like it is going to be funny. Like there's something like, uh, humorous about the macabre nature of it. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a level where like, that's all part of it. Like, you know, us waking up to, to the ridiculousness of it. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it's macabre. It's going to be funny. It's strange and unexplainable. But we're going to start with the things which are very tangible, as I always try to do. So we got the World Health Organization, Rockefellers. Um, but the World Health Organization, it, it really is the, the second um, iteration of this thing, which was known as the International Health Division of the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, you could see like the name keeps on changing, you know, from International Health Board to the Health Commission to the Health Division started around 1913, looks like where, no, 1913. Yeah, that's where it began. And before that, it was the Rockefeller Sanitary Commission. You know, it just keeps on changing names. Um, it says right here, the World Health Organization was seen as the successor to the health division. So basically what happened was this was, um, this went under, they stopped funding it. And then the World Health Organization, um, uh, stepped in. It appears to be like everything is done with like, you know, by proxy. You don't know who's running the show because there's like a new proxy. There's a new proxy. There's a new shell for it. So, um, the World Health Organization, it came out in 1948, uh, and then it was subsumed by the large, by the larger, um, or IHD, the International Health Division was, was, um, just kind of like melted into the Rockefeller Foundation in 1951 and then discontinuing its overseas work. They just stopped doing anything because why? They all went into, um, uh, the World Health Organization. They did it as part of the UN, whereas the UN, the UN's in the land given to them by the Rockefeller Foundation. You know, this is just like, this is how our world works. CFR, you know, it's all, all goes back to these folks. So here's like a list of a bunch of names here, like who are associated with um, this International Health Division. I just clicked on one of them uh, before doing this, putting this presentation together. Cornelius Rhodes. I picked him. I never heard him before. I don't know who this dude is. But, um, you know, right away, what do we see? Like, you know, this is Wikipedia. This guy's like unethical human experimentation. Like that's where this is all coming from. And then he's the first director of the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. You know, like the, the epitome of mainstream cancer research. Like that's the level of, 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 of humor. Like of this, like, of this macabre humor. And we're going to see it, uh, much later, but it's going to make perfect sense to you why or, it's going to be more evident, I suppose, like the, the humor and why humor is, is, is part of this. But, but nonetheless, this guy here, uh, he worked for the United States Army helping develop chemical weapons, you know? It's like, what about do no harm? You know, what about those sort of like doctor, uh, uh, they don't even list him as a doctor, a pathologist and an oncologist. So maybe he never took a, uh, any sort of, is it the Hippocratic Oath, the hypocritical Oath? I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. So this is where it all begins. And, and you know, 
let's get a little bit more tangible about it. Here's here's something that was written uh, Royal Society for Public Health 19 or 2013 backstage the relationship between the Rockefeller Foundation and the World Health Organization part 1 the 40s through the 60s you know the Rockefeller Foundation, the unparalleled 20th century philanthropy heavyweight, both profoundly shaped the World Health Organization and maintained long and complex relationships with it. And even as both institutes changed over time, I don't think they changed. Like the, it's when the people who are in control never, they, they started this. These are 400 year plans. These are 100 year plans. Uh, maybe it appears to be changing. Maybe it appears to be like, you know, there, there's, um, you know, there's, there's infighting between the World Health Organization and the Rockefeller Foundation. But at the very least, it's like Coke and Pepsi. Like, yeah, they're competitors. But at the end of the day, they're poisoning the entire world with the same sort of shit. So, um, uh, right here, uh, top contributors. This is the World Health Organization. 2018, we see first the United States. Next is Bill and, Medi Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, if you haven't seen this, I made this video. Uh, when did I make this? April 3rd. I really go into the connection between uh, the Rockefellers and Bill Gates and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I don't want to repeat any of that, but there's a lot of strangeness. Uh, the most important thing is the Rockefeller Foundation was developed by a guy named Frederick Gates. Um, you know, there's supposedly no, no biological, biological connection between the guys. But as we're going to see, like, whether it's like a joke with the names or whether it's something like stranger, I don't know. But the likelihood of like the richest, uh, monopolists of the world and then of this time period and then this guy becomes the richest monopolist of the world and they have this like name. I mean, it's, we may not know the mechanism. We don't need to know the mechanism. This is part of the look away. Like, once you know, you know. But anyway, so we got that right there. We've, we know all this sort of stuff. And all I'm trying to show is, like, we've got the World Health Organization and their bunch of doctors. And we're going to go... Um, uh, let's go look at this before we go into that. So it's like, here's the Rockefeller Foundation. And what are they talking about? Like, you know, the whole sort of virus right now. And they're saying, we want to go to, to, you know, our good buddies who are, who were, um, intimately connected to. And we've got the plan for it, you know, uh, our national, uh, tracing action plan, you know, the <laughs> solutions group. And like, you know, this is what we do with the economy. Like, this is, you know, I, everyone knows, like, this is, they're, they're connected. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, like, what you already know. This is like the preface, if anything, um, to get us into, um, the next stage, which is Doctor Who. And we're going to begin with this and just like, this is how it works. It's kind of like fun, like, like tongue in cheek laughing at you. Like the World Health Organization, they're doctors, you know, or at least supposedly doctors. We know the, the leader or the head of it right now isn't a doctor. A lot of the, the administrators are not medical doctors, but that really doesn't matter, you know, as, as, as we saw with, um, Fausti, um, but let's go into here, and we're going to see some really, really, really interesting stuff. So um, let's begin with uh, Doctor Who. So I've never seen Doctor Who before. I've never. I know. I knew that it existed. I'm not really interested in Doctor Who. I'm going to talk about some episodes in here. Um, 
there's probably a whole bunch of stuff buried into Doctor Who, uh, some truths, you know, um, I don't care, you know, I don't want to look at this stuff, I don't, I recommend, you know, uh, not getting sucked into it, um, you know, particularly if you're a fan, that's part of it, like, whether your fandom is with a show, or whether your fandom is with, like, a sports team, like, you know, that's how they hook you, they hook you into that, um, so what is Doctor Who? So if you're like me and you don't know what Doctor Who is, Doctor Who was this British science fiction, this British TV show, science fiction, and it's about like this guy who's a doctor. He's a time lord. So right away we know embedded into it is like L Saturn, you know, Lord is L and time is Saturn that's buried into it. And he's an extraterrestrial and uh, he travels. He's a time traveler. And we're going to see throughout this, as this gets weird, there's like all of this time travel stuff, you know, is, are they time travelers? I don't know. Maybe. Um, is, are they, are they making fun of us? Uh, most definitely that. Uh, are they telling us stuff? Yeah, there's definitely, there's a, there's a, there's a telling, but it's, it's, this is part of like why the magnetism to keep coming back to it. So you can go and learn more. You know, I'm as, I'm as, as guilty of it as anyone else. It's like, you know, I get sucked into this stuff as well. But the, the, we're coming to the point where you got to look away. You know, the real solution, I'll come back to this again, is that, that, um, the climax of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, Indy's been spending his entire life, like, trying to get to the Lost Ark, and he finally gets it, and they're gonna open it up. And what does he tell? What does he tell? Well, I don't even remember her name. What's her name? Who's with him? Uh, but he's like, don't look. Don't look. Don't look. And they, they were able to, to, to pass through it. So that's, that's, there's truth in some of the stuff and like, you know, we got to be smart, but nonetheless, we go back to that Doctor Who, um, starting 63, it ran to 89, uh, they did a movie in 96 and then they kicked it off again in 2005, March 26, 2005, okay? Uh, the first Doctor Who, it was time to the assassination of JFK, um, time, time, space stuff, um. I was going to also include in this, there's a, a really interesting correlation between um, Q and QAnon, Q being the uh, the character from James Bond, but I'm not even going to get into that, but just know that, you know, there is. Uh, but, you know, we've got the QAnon story and like, you know, one of the, 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 the avenues tied to that has to do with JFK or more so with JFK Jr., but nonetheless... Doctor Who has had an enormous impact on the collective consciousness, primarily the British consciousness, but it does have a cult following. Doctor Who said to be one of the small number of super brands of BBC Worldwide, which, you know, we're, we're dealing with Havistock sort of stuff. So major, major influencers of worldwide Western globalist sort of like consciousness. Um, so let's go a little bit deeper here. So, um, Eric Mashwitz, um, 1901 to 1969, sometimes called Holt Marvel. You know, he was an entertainer. He was a writer. He was an editor. He's a broadcaster and he was a broadcasting executive. The reason why we're interested in him is because he's the guy who made, who brought Doctor Who to life. It was under his watch. It's not exactly credited with being the, um, the, uh, uh, um, the creative 
director, but my guess is by looking at this guy, he probably definitely had his hands all over it. But this is the avenue we're going to go down. So let's go look at this guy. And this is just like Wikipedia. You know, they're telling us this in Wikipedia. Um, so uh, in 39, he joined the Secret Intelligence Services. And this is all during like World War II stuff. Uh, 1940, he briefly worked to establish the resistance organization, blah, 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 Army Welfare in London. And then he was assigned to the Special Operations Executive. And now this is where, this is where we're going. In 1940, he was commissioned to the Intelligence Corps. And then he was sent to New York City to work with the British Security Coordination. And this is where, this is what, this is all what we're watching. So, so Doctor Who is a British, as we're going to, as I'm going to go and demonstrate, it is a British, um, a British Security Coordination project. Um, there's a, there's a, um, uh, uh, a truism, I guess, within within um, spy craft. You know, once a spy, always a spy. And this guy is a real deal spy. So he went to go work with the British Security Coordination. In '42, he returned to London, and then he started supervising radio programs for the for the troops. He was transferred to political war as to the political warfare executive, and then he was the chief broadcasting officer. Um, leaving the army as lieutenant colonel. Um, they were responsible for taking over Reichsendier, I don't know, Hamburg in 1945. Uh, so this is right, uh, I don't know when, when, um, when Victory in Europe Day was. I think that was before that. Um, yeah, obviously, if they're taking over that. Uh, this requisition enabled the British occupation troops. Yeah, so this was after, after, um, the, uh, the 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 Nazis were, were Germany was taken over by the British and, and the um, the U.S. the U.S. soldiers. Um, but what we see is uh, Maskowitz. He eventually becomes the British Forces Broadcasting Services. So what what I'm trying to indicate or trying to show right here is like this guy is trained as a spy and specifically as it relates for programming. And all of this is propaganda. And what is the purpose of all of this is creating the consciousness, a worldview of reality. And and we're gonna go and see. We're gonna get really deep in this. And this is fascinating stuff. Um, but we also want to see, so in 47, he goes from this job to becoming the chairman of the Songwriters Guild of Great Britain. Um, so he's very, very instrumental within uh, British popular music. Like this guy was like, you know, the, the chief executor of like how things happen. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this off, um, you know, as a slight, uh, as a slight, um, side, I don't want to go too deep down it, but this is how it's all connected. It's, um, JFK assassination happened in November of 63. And that was like, that was an emotional smack to definitely American, to the American audience, but probably to a lot of like the, uh, Western, Western, uh, consciousness. And people were reeling with it. You know, that was a big shock. And then the salve to it was, you know, the introduction of the Beatles. The Beatlemania hit the United States in February of 63. So six, November of 62 was the assassination. Then February 63 was when we, we see the, uh, um, the, uh, Beatlemania. And so we can see this, it's all like, 
It's all part of how it's rolled out. So, okay, so, um, so Mashwitz. So we see Mashwitz. We talked about the British, uh, the BSC. Um, this is where we want to go, and this is where we find gold. We see this guy is a connection, wants to spy, always a spy. So we're going into the British security coordination. So who is the British security coordination? It was a covert organization set up in New York City by the British Secret Service, um, MI6, in May 1940. Uh, so uh, its purpose was to investigate enemy activities, prevent sabotage against British interests, uh, and mobilize pro-British opinion in the Americas. As a huge secret agency of nationwide news manipulation and black propaganda, the BSC influenced news coverage in the Herald Tribune, the New York Post, the Baltimore Sun, Radio New York Worldwide. Its stories disseminated from Rockefeller Center the stories disseminated from Rockefeller Center and would then be legitimately picked up by other radio stations and newspapers before being relayed to the American public. Through this, anti-German stories were placed into the American media outlets. Its cover was the British Passport Control Office and it benefited from the support given by the office of the OSS, William Donovan, um, and FDR. So William Donovan, the OSS, that's the predecessor to the CIA. He was the head of it. Like this is like embedded at the deepest level, like at the highest level, at the deepest level. It was brought in here. And as we're going to go see the British security coordination, they, you know, we'd hear all this like fake news. They're the guys who's coming up with all these fake news sort of stuff. And what they're trying to do is create, create a, a certain understanding of reality. Um, there are a couple things we're going to look at from these guys, but what we want to realize is what they were about was getting us in the fight. They're like, you're coming in this fight. We're going to get you in this fight. We're going to get you in this fight. And if you're paying attention to what's happening right now is like, there's so much emotionality and so much propaganda, which is happening. Same thing, you know, there's same, 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 same trick. And it is getting people into the fight one way or the other. You're going to have no choice. We're bringing you into the fight. This is why you got to look away and detach because they're going to pull you into the fight. And that's all they want. That's all they want. So let's go a little bit deeper into this. Um, all right, so uh, this is about Donovan. Don so this is a little bit CIA sort of stuff. So uh, Donovan was the head of the OSS. The OSS becomes the CIA. And we see um, Donovan, the soldier spy, was a principal humanitarian as early as 1915 before America's entry into World War One. He traveled to wartime Poland as part of the Rockefeller Foundation's commission to speed food. You know, this is the same time period as this, as the International Health Division, 1913. You know, we see that all throughout Europe, <laughs> uh, the, the Rockefeller Sanitary Commission is there. It's the same folks, my friends. Um, uh, we covered that. Um, we see right here, this is what I like. This, this is something else to talk about Donovan. Um Donovan, the future spymaster, was also a former seminary student. Um, 
and a complex intellectual whose knowledge of the war was not limited to what he read in the newspaper. As a member of the Rockefeller Foundation, he was in Belgium, so we know he's in Poland, now we know he's in Belgium, in 1916 delivering relief in the form of food and blankets, that sounds like sanitary stuff, and also observing, you know, just checking shit out, just like observing, <laughs> you know. Uh, but just in case if there's any sort of question of what we're talking about, here's a really interesting article right here, or story, or study, excuse me, uh, uh, journal article, Nelson Rockefeller and the British Security Coordination. Who are we talking about again? Yeah, the British Security Coordination. Nelson Rockefeller, you know, this here is Sage Publications. When does this come out? 1981. Let's read from this abstract what they say right here. Uh, American intelligence experts, as well as writers on the subject, have remained totally in the dark as to the work of the Rockefeller office in the intelligence field. Those who knew, for reasons shall, we shall examine later, remained silent, and those who didn't know, uh, but who were experienced in other areas, preferred to describe themselves as the pioneers in the field. Um, you know, so it's... Uh, the, so we're, we're, we're looking at, 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 at Rockefeller no matter what. We're going to return back to Doctor Who in a bit, but we're going to go down this path. And where we're going to go is just friggin' nutty. Um, where are we? All right. So now we go here. Let me click out of this. Um, BSC was not just propaganda. BSC was not just propaganda. They also had this thing called Hydra. And you're going to understand why I'm getting into Hydra in a moment. But so Hydra was a highly sophisticated telecommunications relay station. It was established in May 42. So this is the same time which we know our boy Mashwitz. Where do we see that? We see like in 42 he returns to London. So like at the same time... Um, uh, that's when, when, uh, Hydra goes live. And what Hydra does is, Hydra is up in Camp X, up in Lake Ontario in, in Canada. And they were, like, relaying information. So let's see some of this stuff. Um, it was through BSC and the, that the British acquired the powerful, um, transmitter that was used for propaganda by the political warfare executive. Remember, we saw that's where Ma Mashwitz was. BBC overseas broadcast. All the same guys. We see it's all connected. BSC transmitter, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so right here. Um, BSC also sourced a transmitter for it to communicate with the UK, which was operated under the no code name Hydra. Um, so this was this from a different article. Let's talk about it. Author's note: the codename Hydra was given to the wireless installation because it was a mythical beast of the same name, a many-headed, multi or triple diversity creature, which would communicate continuously during the war years with England's um, Aspi. Aspistidra, <laughs> you know, my own inability to enunciate is becoming evident. Um, this is interesting. We'll let's see if I remember to come back to this later. But so what they did was they used um, uh, the, the Hydra used this transmitter. Most of the big transmitter complex was jerry-built. Parts came from everywhere. R one transmitter had been a 10... 
thousand watt came from a ten thousand watt station in in Philadelphia WCAU and and that's a whole nother like uh, uh, wormhole. But what I thought was interesting was how that kind of correlates with like the Philadelphia experiment and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like it all connects. That's the whole thing. What I'm saying, like you know, once you see it connects, you see it all connects. It all connects. If you're gonna go and scratch, you're gonna see it all connects. It all connects. Um, and and part of like the insidious plan is like you want to go and look deeper. You know, I'm this is where I get guilty of that. Like I want to keep going down and down and down and look, it's connected here and there. And there has to be a discipline to walk away. But I'm pointing that out to you guys. Um, you know, we've got this Philly connection, but let's keep going. So these are and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere. This is going to go back to more than Doctor Who in a way, which is just going to be phenomenal, uh, mind blowing. So these are all notable employees of um, the BSC. So we got uh, Roald Dahl. You know, that's the guy behind Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, you that guy's got some all of his stuff is highly, highly questionable, like um, particularly as it relates to like um, programming and stuff like that. Uh, Ian Fleming, 007, James Bond. We're going to come to that a little bit. Here's our boy, Eric Mashwitz. David Ogilvy, you know, applied Gallup audience research techniques. This guy's known as the father of advertising. You know, it's like these, all of these people, I don't even know who half the people that, that, those are the only ones who I know by name, but I'm pretty certain like, you know, one, the list probably goes much, much deeper of those who went on to be major influencers of, um, of life post-World War II. Um, and they're all connected. They all went, they're all part of this, this, this spy network. All right. So I've been leading this up to like, well, who's been running the show? Who's in charge of BSC? Good question, Mike. <laughs> Sir William Samuel Stevenson. Um, he was a Canadian soldier, airman, businessman, inventor, spy master, and senior representative of the British Security Coordination. Um, He's best known by his wartime intelligence code name Intrepid. We're going to come back to that plenty in a bit. Many people consider him to be one of the real-life inspirations for James Bond. Ian Fleming once wrote, James Bond is highly romanticized version of a true spy. The real thing is Stevenson. Remember, Stevenson was these guys' boss, okay? Um... Uh, right here, as the head of the British Security Coordination, Stevenson handed over British scientific secrets to FDR re and relayed the American secrets to Churchill. In addition, Stevenson has been credited with changing American public opinion from an isolation stance to a supportive tendency regarding America's entry in World War II. You know, so this was, this was milked. Um, Let's go right here. We've got Camp X. So this is, so look right here. Camp X it was established December 6, 1941. What happened the very next day was, uh, this was Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. That was what the, the final linchpin that brought in the, uh, uh, the American public into, um, World War II. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about World War II. I'm not talking about anything other than the fact that this is how the American public were, was, was brought into it. It was 
all of the, the, the propaganda work and fake news done by the BSC, coupled with then the, the, the event of Pearl Harbor, and then Camp X opens up the next, or the day before. Um, and remember, like the day of and the day before correlating with, with JFK. We're going to begin to see how this connects a little bit more so. So what is this one? I think, why did I put this out here? Um, oh, I want to pull this out right here. Stevenson worked in New York on the 34th and 35th floor of the International Building, the Rockefeller Center. Of course he did, because Nelson Rockefeller makes this shit happen, okay? Um, uh, a few thousand worked under him, uh, but few knew his name, let alone his face. We're going to see his face in a little bit of it. Oh, and that's going to be so good. Uh, but this is what I want to get. His mission in the States was twofold. He was Churchill's secret intelligence ambassador um, to President Roosevelt, who, no thanks to Joseph Kennedy in London, so there's this kind of like, there's like a, a jab at the Kennedy. There's already like a jab going towards Kennedy's. And we know that this, and you're going to see a little bit later. Do I talk, do we have in these slides? No, I'll see it later. That this guy was like really, really close with Donovan, um, CIA. Like there's a, there's a, um, these guys are connected. But anyway, so let's keep going. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Stevenson guy and like what they're saying to him. Uh, in 1946, um, General Wild Bill Donovan, the guy we're talking about, who was the, was the head of the OSS, which became the CIA, um, he presented a medal to Stevenson and said that he was a valuable assistant in American, the fields of intelligence and special operations. Wow, that sounds really exciting, right? Real emotion there. But here we get a little bit more emotion. We've got in 2002, uh, CIA executive director representing George Tennant accepted from the Intrepid Society of Winnipeg. Remember, the guy's name is Intrepid. Uh, this bronze statuette of Stevenson, and this is what Carey said. He said, uh, William Stevenson played a key role in the creation of the CIA. He realized early on that America needed a strong intelligence organization and lobbied contacts close to President Roosevelt to appoint the U.S. coordinator to oversee FBI and military intelligence. He urged that the job would be given to Wild Bill Donovan, who recently toured British defenses and gained the confidence of Prime Minister Churchill. Although Roosevelt did not establish exactly what Sir William had in mind, the organization created represented a revolutionary step in the history of American intelligence. Donovan's strategic Office of Strategic Service was the first central U.S. intelligence service the OSS were closely with and learned from Sir William and the other Canadian and British officials. A little later, the OSS officers formed the core of the CIA. Intrepid may not have technically been the father of the CIA, but he's certainly in our lineage. Like, that's it. This is all connected. This is all the same folks, and these are all Rockefeller folks, okay? So, um... Let me go into this before, <laughs> you know, before the, the big reveal. I'm leading up to something. If you can't tell, I'm leading up somewhere. Uh, this is about, uh, this is talking about Donovan, um, and it's talking specifically about Donovan's like of the, liking of the art of war. Um, 
And then also we see here in 1918, Sir William Stevenson, um, who had become known as the famous spy intrepid in World War II, uh, indicated in his own autobiography, uh, a man called Intrepid, that he met Donovan in early World War One. So we know there this is all Rockefeller. Remember, we know that Don that Donovan was in was in um in Europe on the Rockefeller Foundation. So it's like they're telling us we're we're, we're it's it's all connected. It's all webbed out. They're all the same folks. So okay. You're going to think I'm nuts. You're going to think I'm nuts. But wait till you see this. I mean, because this is nuts. No matter what the explanation is of what I'm about to show you, it's friggin' nuts. And whether it's like, I'm just going to show you. Okay. So here's our picture of, of, of William Samuel Stevenson. Remember they said like no one knew his face. Thousands of people worked for him. Uh, look, this is where he died. He died in Golden Eye Estates. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> You know, hopefully you recognize who this guy is by now. But if not, let me go and show you. Look at this guy. Surely, surely, Mike. You're, you're, yeah, they look alike. But, but you know, what, what? You're telling me that these are the same two people? I don't know. I don't know. But wait till you see what I'm about to say. Undoubtedly, there is a similarity which is unfriggin' canny down to this droopy eye and this smirk like all right so <laughs> yeah maybe they just look alike but just you know hold on hold on you know i haven't led you astray yet so come on so let's so let's see where we're gonna go so the first thing the first thing i want to say is um the very nature of oh so i'm just assuming everyone knows who this is this is pierce morgan um uh Most Americans, uh, if you know who Pierce Morgan is, you probably were introduced to him in 2007 when he was on Donald Trump's Celebrity Apprentice and he won it. If you are um, British, well, you know who he is. He's a very popular uh, personality in, in, in Britain. And so we see right here uh, how Pierce Morgan became the most divisive man in British uh, media. Good Morning Britain host has spent decades cultivating the persona that makes him a one-man clickbait machine. If you don't understand that uh, that is exactly what this this kind of like this ability to affect public perception one way or the other, this is someone who is affecting public perception. So I'm just going to say right here. So like, okay, this guy, they look a lot alike. And yeah, they're about, they're, they, they both, they both connect public perception or they both impact that. Um, so let's go, uh, let's go here. Cause this is, now we're, we're, we're going deeper and deeper. So this is, this was his, uh, intrepid's, um, uh, this guy's autobiography was said to have died in, in 1989. This is his autobiography, right? Um, came out in, I don't know when it came out. It says illustrate. I don't know when it originally came out. This is 2009. But, um, that's what he's, he's titling his own autobiography, Man Called Intrepid. So what does intrepid mean? So intrepid means, um, well, first right here, you know, if you, I hope you, 
you saw the previous video to really appreciate where we're going to go with this. You had have seen the, the uh, hijacking number four and all the London Olympics and all the Virginia Dare stuff. So intrepid, daring is another syn uh, a synonym for, for intrepid, uh, Virginia Dare. And we also know this guy is a resonator with 007, the 007, at least the fictitious double, um, the fiction oriented 007. Um, not the John D. 007, maybe they're one and the same, who knows, you know, stuff's getting weird. But the word intrepid means fearless, adventurous, often used for rhetorical or humorous effect. There's a humorous nature. This guy's telling us, he's like, I'm intrepid. There's stuff I'm doing, I'm mocking, I'm being funny. If you're paying attention, there's humor in everything I do. Okay, so when we begin to see all of this, like wink, wink, nod, nod, and we're seeing these Easter eggs that are apparently left for us, and they're like, wow, are they laughing at us? They're like, yeah, it's for humorous effect. You know, you got to decide whether they're, you know, is this a dangerous universe or is this a friendly universe? But make no mistake, you know, this intrepid guy all the clues which they're telling us and we're going to get to the clues i haven't shown them to you yet they're being funny so let's go and see the clues which i'm talking about so da, 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 celebrity apprentice this is it donald trump you know uh who's the uh from season number seven um uh was the first time they they introduced this concept of celebrity apprentices all of the members of this tv show i'm assuming you know what, what the what the reality show uh, the, uh, the apprentices, but it's, you know, they, they compete, they do these things and, um, uh, you know, someone gets voted off and, and this, this concept, this character of Donald Trump was sold to the American public. Um, and in the first time they did celebrity apprentice, meaning like they weren't like just regular, regular actors. These were celebrity actors. Pierce Morgan wins it and he becomes, this one, he becomes really introduced to the American public. And he's introduced in this way, very influential. He's the one who wins it. So we could see here. So if you're a celebrity, you didn't get any money. What you got is like, you know, you raised money, which went to, um, to a charity of your choice. And so what's the name of his charity? His charity is the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. Intrepid. Intrepid is not a common word. It is intrepid so that you know the guy who looks like intrepid who who whose code name is intrepid he goes on the show and he he, he goes and and he donates his money to intrepid right you know this is yeah uh, you know i don't read this um and here's another thing right here oj's um that's the theme song money you know if you know the show it begins money 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 the oj's are um a philadelphia soul group and their music is being played on wcau what was wcau it was the the radio station which gave bcs where do we got this up here it was what gave bcs um I don't know, let's see where I have it up here, but it's what gave BCS their um, their antenna, so that they could. Um, there we go. All right. 
So we see right here, so it's Philadelphia, WCAU gave the antenna so Hydra could be created, right? And so we go back down here and we see that, oh yeah, uh, uh, the theme song to this is by the OJs and money, money, money. And that is the currently being used on WCAU's um, uh, programming. And when we go and we see the name of the team, so this is how Celebrity Apprentice work, is like, you know, they had these teams competing against each other. What was the name of Pierce Morgan's team? It's Hydra. You know, they're doing this for humorous effect. They're laughing at us. This guy then goes to become the President of the United States during this particular time. You know, they call this in, <laughs> in spycraft, they call this like a, a, a handler. That's who this guy is. This guy's the handler's handler. Or at least they're telling us that story. You know, I don't know. This is where you get to decide what this is. You know, this is where it gets even weirder because this all ties back in. This all ties back into Doctor Who, right? Because this all goes back into Eric Mashwitz, who is the guy who creates Doctor Who, who's all about time travel. And if we really want to get wild with this, right? You know, if you, you, you know your Mandela stories, which they're telling us that it was, that it was Trump's, uh, uncle who, who was the receiver of Tesla's work on time travel. And, and then, you know, you get all these Donald Trump, Baron Trump stories from the 1800s, and they're planting all of this stuff out there. The only reason I know, we know about, if, if you know what I'm talking about, about Baron Trump and these books that were written in the 1800, which seemingly are this Mandela effect sort of like predictors of Baron Trump, we only know it from Wikipedia. You know, I'm using this from Wikipedia. This is their tool they're giving us, you know. You know, who knows if it's real? Who knows if it's not real? All I know is they're all connected. Uh, as one of the heads of the CIA said, w they will have done their job correctly when no one knows what's true and what's false. So let's go to this last thing <laughs> right here. So look, this is what? 007, always known for this silhouette, you know, right here. We've got right here, The Apprentice. You know, we've got this silhouette, black and white. It's playing the same thing. You know, this is the intrepid. They laughing at us. Are you in on the joke? Am I in on the joke? Uh, are they telling us stuff? I don't know. But this is the strange world which we are finding ourselves in. All right. Phew. 45 minutes. Now we're going on to part three. Only got a handful of slides. All right, so I've only seen, I saw this was going on, and uh, I was like, all right, I got to go see something about Dr. Hill. And, um, you know, I can't really, everything I talk about, I, I, I try, particularly in these presentations, I try to, I try to give as much like, you know, this is where it's coming from, you know, like uh, the objectivity to of it, you know, it's coming from the internet, like, which should be questioned immediately, but at least we can say this is where it's coming from. They've at least left these clues to be discovered. I try not to give my own personal stories, but I'm going to give my own personal stories. So just as I was doing all this stuff, um, uh, I had a really, really vivid dream. I had a weird as, I had a weird as fuck dream. And, um, I dreamt that I was, I was in John D's castle. I had a, you know, I was, I was in his castle. I've never dreamt anything like that. And I was in this, this, this room. Um, it was a circular room and I knew how to get into it. I get into it and I find myself with this, with this, um, 
with the scroll. This is in the dream. This is in the dream. It's all going to tie back in, but you know. Uh, and I'm looking at it. It's got symbols. And in the dream, I see that it says rose. That's what I remember. And as soon as I say the word rose, um, the candles blow out in the castle. It gets really dark. And I freak out in the dream. And I wake myself up, I suppose. Like I awake. And I find myself in bed. You know, my physical body sleeping. And um, I know who I am. I know where I was. And I knew that I will come back to where I'm supposed to be. I knew I knew that I would remember. And I remember thinking, if I lift up my head and look around, I'd be able to realize where I was. But um, I didn't want to. Uh, I wanted... I wanted to like sit in that that middle space until like it it came back to me where I was. So this is right in the middle of me doing all of the research which I'm presenting to you. Like this was last week, and um, so Rose. So I want to go and um, I want to go and see at least a look into some of these Doctor Who episodes. I'm going to watch a Doctor Who. There's like I'm not going to go and watch them all. Like I know this is like. A psyop of some sorts, but um, which one am I going to watch? What am I going to go watch? Well, sure enough, sure enough, my friends, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, Doctor Who, it runs from 63 to 89, and then they start up again in 2005, and the first, um, the first uh, episode, the very first one to come back, it's called Friggin' Rose. And so when I, I just had the dream. I had, this is the one. This is the one show I go and I watch. <laughs> and it was a doozy. You know, for whatever happens. Are they beaming stuff into my brain? I don't know. Am I dreaming this? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we don't know. Like, it's the stuff's getting weird. But nonetheless, so Rose is the first episode. I have the dream Rose. I talk about Rosicrucians a lot. And I'm like, this is the, this is the episode I got to go see. And so, dot, so the, the, the show's horrible. It was friggin' horrible. Like, I couldn't believe how bad it was. Like, just like... But nonetheless, I watched the whole thing. And the plot, though, was very interesting. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. So, the plot of this particular story was like... Um, uh, Doctor Who shows up and in London in contemporary times. And I guess there's like this reoccurring theme. And there are these bad guys. They're called the Nest... The Nestine Consciousness, it's this hive, hive mind, evil, inter, multi-dimensional, uh, extraterrestrial sort of, um, bad guy. And they are able, through a transmitter, to bring, um, plastics alive. And plastics are to, in, take over humanity and kill all the humans. And it turns out that the, the transmitter, is the London Eye, this big London um, uh, Ferris wheel. And, you know, there's a thousand things right there. So first thing is, like, the way they described it, and this is like, you know, this came out in 2005, like, I'm just thinking 5G and the Internet of Things. They use the word plastic. It's bringing plastic um, to life. And, you know, realistically, like, you know, plastic is, is it's, it's a byproduct of, a plastic is a byproduct of, of petroleum. Uh, and petroleum, the entire petroleum, you know, industry, at least at one point when it really came out late, like was powerful in the 1880s, that was all like, that was where Rockefeller first had um, their first um, uh, uh, um, 
monopoly with Standard Oil. So it's like plastic does like tie directly into Rockefeller in a certain way. And like London Eye, you know, you could go down all of the different sort of things of like what the London Eye is and like, you know, the symbolism and the Illuminati stuff. And yeah, that's true. And this is a picture. This is what they showed. They showed it like transmitting this stuff right here. But where I want to go with this, and like I hadn't seen this, I didn't know about any of this, and this is coming right off of, you really got to go see that, uh, rewatch the London Game Show, which are uh, hijacking reality number four. Um, but this ties right into the London Games um, for a variety of reasons. It's right in the same place as um, uh, Leicester Square. I got a bunch of like people who told me it's pronounced Leicester. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. But anyway, so let's go look at this because this is freaking nuts. So we talked about the London Olympics. Uh, they're talking, they're telling us in this video, uh, in this, this Rose video that the bad guys are using this to transmit a signal, um, through the lights to go and control all of the anti-human, um, uh, plastics. And Doctor Who, uh, kills them, you know, with a anti, an anti-plastic. Sounds very like an anti-venom or something, you know. Um, but nonetheless, uh, let's go down here. Um, so 2012 uh, Olympics, Ferris wheel is a big deal because what they did during it, you know, this is, this is the, what they did was um, Twitter working with this, this, this group of MIT engineers, um, uh, called Energy of the Nation was their project. They, they, um, this, what are they called? It was, uh, the group is called So So Limited, and it's made up of, by a bunch of, like, graduates from, from MIT. And they wrote this algorithm that linguistically analyzed tweets, um, of, about the games, and then they create this light um, response. So um, the algorithm we develop converts real-time social emotions into color and motion and tweets a light show. Um, we distill 24 hours of actions into 24 minutes. So at the very least, at the very least, at the very least, what we see is happening is like in in this time of, of like the the opening game ceremony, that there is a direct correlation between emotions, between lights, between technology, between the games, between humanity, you know, whatever this is, whatever this could be doing, whether it's anything, this is lining up. I mean, this is really sort of happening, you know. Uh, so let's go a little bit, bit deeper. So it's, um, remember the Hydra, the Hydra was the wireless, ins wireless, it, it was a um, sophisticated telecommunications relay station. This is a sophisticated telecommunications relay station. This is all the same folks. This is the same. Nothing has changed. They're the same people. And they're intrepid. They do all of this dangerous secret stuff with a sense of humor. So here's the Hydra. Look, this is the body of the Nestine. I found this, this of some Doctor Who fandom sort of place. It looks just like this Hydra right here. This is a drawing of Rockefeller over the earth. Here's the multi-headed Hydra, the Nestine consciousness. Um, here it is. 
He has a viral of anti-plastic that can be used to destroy the nesting consciousness if necessary, realizing that the transmitter is the London Eye. Rose and the doctor descend underneath to stop the nesting consciousness. Here's the nesting consciousness. It's Rockefeller. It's the Hydra. It's the same friggin' thing. And it's fallen, you know, right on the, right on the, right on this, 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 time period of the london games and i went in go if you haven't seen it go re-watch episode of hijacking reality number four you see how it's all connected so uh <laughs> uh so let me just add one more before i get really deep with it so okay just to add just to add to this who owns this but the Blackstone Group, when did Blackstone Group get this? They inherited it in 007, May 2007. They, they, they purchased the Tussauds Group. Tussauds Group, um, owned it. So now Blackstone Group owns this. Now granted, this is, um, this is after, uh, the, the BBC episode, but before the London games. And so why, if, who's Blackstone Group? Well, Blackstone Group, you know, here's an article about 9-11, you know, who are the financial actors behind the purchase of the World Trade Center? Ding, 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 the Blackstone Group. It's the private, the private investment, um, investment bank. They're the ones that made it happen. Um, in addition to real estate activities, the Blackstone Group's core businesses include mergers and acquisitions and so forth. The Blackstone chairman, Pete Peterson, is also the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and chairman of the board of the Council on Foreign Relations. All friggin' Rockefeller. It's all the same, same sort of shit. Uh, <laughs> and they're the ones who own it. So, okay, um, now, now it's going to get even weird. If that wasn't weird, if you're not like right now saying like, what am I listening to? What sort of like friggin' <laughs> golden eye Pierce Morgan, like this guy is the most divisive man. He is, he is the one man clickbait machine. He is, you know, which man is he? I don't know. Is he golden eye? I don't know. This stuff just lines up. I mean, this looks too much like the Norway spiral to me. It's happened in 2009, but nonetheless, uh, wait till you see this. All right. So, whew. The large, the London Ferris wheel, that's what we're talking right here, the London eye. The circumference of the wheel is 1,392 1, feet. All right. And this is the moon. Here's our moon right here. The moon is 6,786 miles. And so you're like, all right, we need to get these. I'm going to look at this relationship to one another. So this is feet. This is miles. Uh, there are 5,280 feet in one mile. So if we want to get this into feet, we have to multiply these two numbers. This is basic math. So this is what we have right here. 6,786 times 5,280. And then that gives us total number of feet. And then we divide it by 1,392. So that's a 1,392. And here is the answer. 25,740. So what this means is this has a harmonic resonance. It resonates 
uh, per, with um, the moon by this number. So we see it's a perfect, like it's a whole number. There's no zero, there's no decimal points. It's a perfect whole number, and it resonates like that. And we know right here, where do we see this? Um, we know that, we know that right here, that these folks at so so limited distill 24 hours into 24 minutes that's a harmonic resonance we're looking for harmonics you know uh um, we're looking to see um we're looking to see the um the the harmonics between the moon and the ferris wheel or we see that there's a there's a a harmonic between the moon and the, the ferris wheel it's twenty five thousand seven hundred forty whatever that may be but that's the that's where it's it's um resonating so then the, you know what is it it's the axial procession um in astronomy the axial procession is gravity induced you know whatever like you know flat earth circular earth concave earth sphere earth i don't know but i'm we're reflecting back to the mathematics of the world we live in so so just focus on that for right now in astronomy the axial procession is gravity induced slow and continuous change in the orientation of the astronomical's body blah 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 in particular it can refer to the gradual shift of the orientation of the earth's axis of rotation in a cycle of approximately 25,772 years look right here 25,740 these are basically the same these are like 99.99 percent the same um this is harmonic resonance but if we re if we really want to get see how perfect this is you know <laughs> let's talk about the eye there are 32 capsules that's what goes around on this thing this this are capsules there are 32 of them there are 32 capsules that are representative of the 32 boroughs remember when queen elizabeth was given the gift from the victim of the virginia tech shooting it had 32 gems on it um when you add 32 to this this becomes five twenty-five thousand seven hundred and seventy-two. you know exactly the same what is axial procession all about axial procession is the explanation behind the the um the uh procession of the equinoxes the changing of um, the ages. Remember all everything which we talked about before about the age of Aquarius and the age of Pisces. You know the reason why we have that change is because of the axial procession. So we see right here that this spinning Ferris wheel in the middle of of where's our spinning Ferris wheel? Here's our spinning Ferris wheel, which has some sort of friggin' algorithm connected to everyone <coughs> tweeting in the midst of this London um, this London uh event is in harmony with the moon whatever the moon is you want to go and take your david ike sort of um saturn moon matrix go right ahead i don't know nothing right now but i know that this is what the numbers are telling us they all add up and it's all connected and <laughs> i'm gonna show you one last thing and then we got to be done with it because it's too much so look right here 
London Eye, it celebrates its 20th birthday. When did it celebrate its 20th birthday? March of 2020. What happened on March 26th of 2020? There was a, a worldwide re-watching of the Rose episode of Doctor Who, the one we're talking about. When did that happen? Just as the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson test positive with coronavirus. We talked about in the previous one. All of that lines up to everything else. All this shit's fucking lined up and harmonized perfectly in this, like... <laughs> Golden Eye, Pierce Morgan, uh, Doctor Who, World Health Organization, Bill Gates, get your thing, get your shot. So let me come to the conclusion right now. So this is it. What it, What is all this about? When you go and you look at this, what is this all about? They're calling us in to fight. Uh, we're, or the, the little bit of research I saw on... on the um doctor who it was had to do with the amount of violence and 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 how it introduced violence and it was it was so much what we can see from what the bsc did was to bring america into a war we know that it has to do with wireless technology um there's synchronicity coincidence whatever it is this magnetism it's like it doesn't matter like what level it hits you at you know, are we conscious of it because, uh, you know, we can decode it? Well, we're just watching it. We're still like, we're, we're putting our energy into it. We're putting our energy into it. We want to see more and more. That's so why I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty of it. You know, I'm, I'm telling you this so that we can look away. So that we can look away. None of it's real. It's all coming from the TV. These wars, they're not real. This technology is not real. We need to go back to what is real. Like, if we don't, if we don't, we're just going to get pulled in and we can see where they're pulling us in. Okay, what is real? Human beings are real. What does it mean to be a human being? You know, we have been, we have been on an onslaught from these guys since, since, since 19, since, since 1940 at least. Every generation, you know, we are, all of us have been, We've all grown up in this. We've all, we've all adapted as all human beings do. What do human beings do is we adapt to what we grow up in. And we've adapted to this multi-generational, um, connection, collection of web, which is just bringing us to this point right now. And what is this point where, where we are to step into like the full web? the full web, the internet, all of that. And so it's like, we can see it right now. Now is our opportunity. Um, I don't want to do any more of these, these like, you know, the following the bouncing ball anymore. Uh, maybe I'll still make some more videos because I love it. I like to talk to people. I like to teach. You know, that's what I, that's what I do. Um, but I want to teach how to look away and then go back to the real and to identify, identify where all of the, all of the wounding that's happened, wounding to each one of us, wounding to, to the earth, an understanding of the relationship and an understanding how to navigate it. So, you know, that's where I want to leave it right now. Uh, if you stuck around for this long, I appreciate it. Um, 
Now I'll give a little bit of commercial. I, I'm, I'm updating. Uh, what, what I want to do more uh, now is really work with people. You know, I would like to do. I like to do this stuff for free. As long as we got to do money, like money's part of the system, and like I want to get off money as soon as we can. Uh, I would do my services away for free, but if not, you can go and pay for some of my services right now on my website. I want to work with folks. I can do the same thing to your story. I look at your astrology. I show you why astrology is bullshit, but I also show you why there's a truth to it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the the relationship we do have with the heavens, whatever the heavens may be. I don't know what they are, but I do know that we're with inside them. And I want to help people understand that. I want to help people understand from their uh, breaking out of the, the, the imprisonment which we have been born into, both within our families, within our cultures, and all that sort of stuff. So check out my website. Um, you know, pass it on to anyone else who you think could benefit from it. I uh, appreciate all you folks for watching it. I read all the comments. Uh, I don't respond to them just because I don't want to get sucked into them, but I often want to. I respond in my mind. Uh, begin to develop the real internet, the real things, trees, plants, uh, rivers, you know, figure out how that's, how that works. Art. Be creative, be human, be strong, be, be, be compassionate, be understanding, be fun, be, be childlike, be wise, be all that sort of stuff. So it's with that, my friends, uh, <laughs> I bid you adieu. Good night.